Welcome everyone to Between Us. I am your host, Ashleen Chan. I'm thrilled and honored to be here hosting my very own podcast episode and have all of you join me as I embark on this journey of discovery. Today, it's going to be a conversation between you and me to create more of an intimate shared exchange. Not only will this allow me to get a little bit more comfortable and brush off those tiny flutters of nerves <laughs> that are floating around, while also giving you an opportunity to get to know me better. The topic for my first episode is reflections and celebrations. And it's only fitting that for my inaugural episode, I reflect back on how much my life in the past year has changed. Yet somehow it feels like nothing has changed. And I find so much beauty in this juxtaposition. Within the past year, I have experienced so much personal growth, moments of joy, anger, chaos, moments that have completely left me shattered, but also allowed me to look inwards and find so much strength, which also led further into my inward healing and spiritual journey. And it is just some of these experiences that have brought me to you guys here today. Now, as important as it is for me to reflect on the experiences that have brought me here, equally important are the celebrations. You know, when we celebrate, it's usually with colors and moments that bring all these vibrancy of colors into the canvas of our lives and paint them into such beautiful memories. And those joys that are multiplied when you share it in the company of loved ones and the memories that last a lifetime. Both reflection and celebration in tandem allow us to experience the beauty of growth. So with an eager heart and an open mind to discover and connect with all of you, let's embark on this journey. Thank you for being a part of this new exciting chapter in my life. Let's dive in. Around this time last year, I was let go from my job at a tech company that I was working for. Now my career has largely been spent working for corporate America and more specifically centered within the Bay Area tech companies. This particular company I had joined at the beginning of 2022 as a contractor with the promise of being converted to a full-time employee. So when I accepted this offer, it was for a number of reasons. One, the quick turnaround into getting converted. And second, the endless possibilities that I saw for me, which was, it was going to give me a place to grow, to learn, and really come out of there as a more holistic marketer, which would set me up for success for the path that I set for myself in the upcoming three to five years. With these in mind, I 
was even more enthusiastic to take on this role. Upon the completion of my first month at the company, I had an opportunity to meet with the chief marketing officer. This company had a policy where they had all the senior managers and above regroup with the CMO at the end of their first month. He really just wanted to learn how your first month here with the company had gone, what were your observations, what insights did you have for him, any questions that he can answer for me. You know, it was a learning opportunity for both of us and, of course, a a great chance to have some one-on-one time with an executive. I remember when this meeting came about, I didn't walk into it with too much trepidation. Yes, there were some nerves, but I wasn't sweating profusely. You know, when you get, like, really nervous about something, your palms are clammy, you're stumbling over your words. None of that happened. It was... In fact, such a great meeting, it was flowing so well that I thought, you know, as the meeting was wrapping up, I should take advantage of how well it's going and really just ask him what he thinks of me being converted to a full-time employee. And his response was a resounding yes, which he followed it up with, Ashleen, I have seen the value that you have already provided to the team and to the company with you just being here for a few short weeks. You have already proven yourself to be a valuable asset. And I have heard great feedback from your peers. So yes, let's get the process started. I was overjoyed. Anybody would be when you hear such great things coming out of an executive's mouth. You know, you feel really motivated. As soon as my call with the CMO ended, I immediately called my then director and I told him, we've got the green light. Please get the paperwork started so that I can be on board as a full-time employee sooner rather than later. And I was so giddy with excitement, but little did I know that this process was going to be interrupted by the arrival of a new VP of marketing. When he arrived... He was introduced to us at first at a company-wide meeting. And I remember when he was doing his introduction, I thought, okay, he's got a great resume. I'm really keen to see once he settles in what his thoughts are and how he's going to lead the team forward and what changes he's going to bring about. I mean, at that first meeting, I didn't really think too much about him. There was just something I couldn't put my finger on. But I just brushed it aside and decided to focus on my day-to-day. Those who work in tech know how stressful it can be. We are oftentimes strapped for bandwidth and resources, which leads to really long working hours. You're also at times collaborating with global teams. Your Slack messages, my gosh, there's never an end to them. And not to mention the amount of emails that flood your inbox. Being in tech and a remote worker practically my entire career, I have always been a part of high-performance teams and was no stranger to working under pressure. But this company 
the pressure and the stress just seemed to be insurmountable. And I think what also didn't help that added to this was the office politics. Fortunately for me, prior to being a part of this company, I had been very much removed from office politics because I was really blessed to be part of teams that just wanted to come and do their jobs and do it well. Here, I was easily working 10 to 12 hour days, averaging six meetings a day. And initially, you know, I would log in for one, one and a half hours on Sundays just to catch up with emails. And very quickly, I found myself spending easily five hours on a Sunday just trying to catch up because the workload was that bad. And I think if I didn't have so many meetings, I would have been able to catch up more during my day. The other really challenging part for me in this role was this company required you to be on camera every single time you had a meeting. And given we had two days out of the week where you could be allowed to be off camera. However, I would just so happen to be hosting a meeting. And unfortunately, it was just in poor taste for me to have my camera off if I was the host or if I was an active participant. There were a few occasions where I did have my camera off on the camera off days, but very quickly it reached my ears from different peers within the company that some people were none too pleased about it. So it was that added pressure of just being on camera all day long. Sometimes I just found it quite annoying, to be honest. I mean, there are times... Like if I'm in my fifth meeting of the day, I would just like to stare off into space for 30 seconds without somebody calling me out on it or even multitask, right? But what I found really silly was if people caught you multitasking, they would either let you know in the Zoom chat or they would slack you about it later. So you couldn't even multitask effectively if you needed to just catch up on the things that were awaiting your attention. Within my first six weeks, I was completely burnt out. And I have never experienced a burnout like this in my entire career. Yes, there have been moments of just pure exhaustion, but this was a whole different ballgame. You know, my friends and family saw how much of a toll it was taking on me and they suggested that I put some boundaries in place. And that was also a learning opportunity for me as well because I wasn't good about that. So I started off by doing small things such as blocking off my calendar and really telling myself not to work as much on weekends and to give myself more time to relax, even though it was hard. But these are some of the things that I had to force myself to do. A few weeks after the introduction of the VP of marketing at our company-wide meeting, I got an email from him to have a one-on-one. When I saw that email come through my inbox, I don't know why, 
but I felt crippled with fear. And it just came over me out of nowhere. I was so nervous and it was still like, I think a week or two weeks away. And just something about it didn't sit right with me. I tried to brush it off because there was still some time before I met with him. A few weeks prior to my one-on-one with the VP, he had invited his immediate team, which included me, to the office for some FaceTime and also a brainstorming session. This was an opportunity for all of us to really get to know each other better since we were all confined to a single conference room for easily nine hours a day. And his goal there as well was to see how we can set ourselves up for success individually for all that we were responsible and accountable for, while also making sure that his team shined really brightly within the organization. While we were in the office, there was a short break and I took that chance to have a brief talk with him. And I, you know, I just, we exchanged pleasantries and I asked him, oh, do you know that I am being considered to be converted to a full-time employee? And he said, yes. But he said, now that I am on board, that might take a little bit longer. And I said, oh, okay. He then mentioned to me that there he was thinking of bringing somebody on board from his prior company. And at that point, I was unaware that he would be a potential threat to me. It was a very short discussion. It was more for me to make him aware that I was being converted into a full-time employee and the CMO had given the green light and that was it. Before you know it, it's time for my first one-on-one meeting with the VP. About 30 minutes prior to our call, I messaged my coworker and I said, I've got these knots in my stomach. They've been there all day as I'm thinking about this meeting with him. I do not know why, but I can't shake off this feeling of doom, essentially. She told me just to breathe in, just let it all go. It's probably my nerves which to a certain extent it was, but I just for some reason couldn't shake this feeling off. And she told me, you've got all your notes, just go through your agenda, do your presentation. So I said, okay, I mean, I could do that. At least I've got something to look at, which will help calm me. In that meeting, I gave him a brief rundown of my career thus far, what I had been doing till I have been on board with the company, our goals, some of our most pressing items that we needed his assistance on. And after I was done, he just nodded along and he said, okay, yes, I hear you. Ask me a few questions. And then he said something which just left me shell-shocked. He said, Ashleen, do you remember when you were in the office and we had a brief discussion about you being converted? I said, yes, of course. So here I'm thinking he's going to give me the green light as well. And he said, Ashleen, he said, if you want to be converted into an employee, you show me. And so he must have seen the puzzle look on my face. So he went, I want you to eat, sleep and breathe the solution line. And every waking moment, think about how you are going to implement the best go-to-market strategy that will create a better pipeline. 
I didn't know what to say. The only thing that was crossing my mind was, you have got to be kidding me. Excuse me, I'm a contractor. At this point, I was already giving the team and the company more than my agreed upon contract hours. And because I was thinking for the long term of the team and knowing that I was going to be part of this team, I wasn't even billing them for all the hours that I was working over. So he now is wanting me to make him look really good, make the team shine, make the company rich. And you are not going to help me secure a position that I thought was almost the given to me. He follows that up with, remember the person I mentioned during our conversation? Well, I am bringing him in and the position that was promised to you, he's been given that position. And so if you are going to be converted, it will not be until later Q3 or Q4. I was in utter disbelief. And if I thought what he had just mentioned was shocking, the tongue lashing that followed after this news left me completely speechless. I am so grateful that he had another meeting with an executive. So a meeting wasn't extended because I don't think the tongue lashing would have stopped. I walked out of that meeting feeling so shaky. And I remember my coworker was waiting for me to ask how the meeting had went and to help support me. And so when I told her, she was in utter disbelief because her meeting hadn't gone as badly as mine had. So I took that night to digest, but I was still visibly angry. And I rightfully so, I was confused. I didn't know where all this was coming from because he hadn't given me a proper opportunity to really show him everything that I had undertaken, what was in progress and what we had already uncovered and solved prior to his arrival in the few short weeks that I had been here. We had already made more strides within the first two and a half months than the company had made in years. I was so pissed. And so after a few days and talking to some of my friends about it, when all of that, those feelings and emotions dissipated a little bit, you know, one of my friends suggested, Ashleen, why don't you look at what he said as him giving you feedback and being the showing you tough love because he sees your potential and wants you to do your best because he knows you're capable of a lot more. And so I, of course, got upset with my friend and said, no, that's not the case. But after my friend's reasoning, I thought, okay, you may have a point there. Why don't I try your approach? Why don't I look at it from the lens of him wanting to do my best, wanting to have me pull from the depths of my core, all my abilities and just wow him, you know? So now that I changed my mindset, I worked even harder to please him. But unfortunately... It was to no avail. And the sad part is, is that I learned I wasn't the only one who was getting this 
tongue lashing from him. Some of my other colleagues were also experiencing the same, which wasn't really good for the team morale overall. After a while, I thought to myself, this doesn't look good. I need to start looking for a new job. And it would be better if I left versus being ousted. I started applying and had a few interviews. But because I was so inundated at the current job, I wasn't as focused as I should have been. And I wasn't showing up as my best self. In July, I was told that I was being let go due to budget. I thought, my gosh, he has found the perfect excuse to remove those it didn't care for including me. A couple of my peers had been let go as well. Unfortunately for them, they didn't get a two weeks notice. I was given a two weeks notice. So I thought, at least he has enough decency to give you a heads up. Let's try to wrap things up really nicely. After I'm given the notice, a few days later, I'm called in front of the meeting only to be informed, oh, We will need you to stay another additional month. Will you be able to stay on? Because we really need you. So I said yes. A few more days go by and I'm called into another meeting to be told, sorry, Ashleen, I thought I had additional money for that extra month, but I don't. So you will have to leave as scheduled, which was at this point a week away. And I just couldn't believe how I was being treated. I was so frustrated and angry at how they were treating me. It seemed to me that I was a toy to them. When they were done playing, they would put it away. And I really would have liked the opportunity to be the one to hand in my two weeks notice versus being toyed with the way I was. I would have liked to call the shots, but clearly it wasn't going my way. Despite all that was unfolding, there was beauty to be found in this chaos. And it came from my colleagues. When I socialized my departure date, so many of my colleagues came forward. They were just as shocked. They listened to me vent. They comforted me. And the only thing that they would say to me is, Ashleen, how can I help? What can I do for you? I have never seen such support and genuine care. And I have worked in the tech industry for a long, long time. The amount of women who banded together to dig deep into their networks and connect me with everything, everyone, sorry, that they could think of. To this day, I am so utterly grateful. There were also a few men some directors who came forward to help me as well. I remember one of them, you know, he was on his vacation and he would find time during his vacation to message me and connect me with whoever he could think of. And I was absolutely floored. And it felt nice, you know, to have this group of people really come out and champion for you. During our work hours, we're all territorial about our goals. But when they heard the news, there was not an iota of ego attitude. It was just your well-wishers who saw your ability 
and genuinely wanted you to succeed. I mean, what a rewarding feeling it is when you know that others see your worth and they show up because of your attributes and they are able to gauge you in how you carry yourself. And if they are going out of their way to vouch for you, that spoke volumes. This is the best gift that this company has given me. The lesson here for me was, this is why it's so important to give your best even in the worst situation because you don't know who's watching and when you will need their help. Or given all that was going on at work, I don't know why I thought it was a good idea to throw dating into the mix as well and started dating someone new. I had mentioned I was extremely burnt out from work, so I decided to take a trip out of town to a close-by state. And that's where I met him. I was attracted to him for a number of reasons. He was good-looking. He was well put together. Appeared to be a man's man. And what woman doesn't love that? And he also appeared to be raised as a proper Southern man. So I thought, wow, he's got it all together. But it was only an appearance. And he turned out to be such a doozy. (laughs) The first couple of months, things were good, but there were moments where I just saw him completely come unhinged. We would be having a normal conversation and he would out of the blue became unhinged and I would be completely perplexed. And so I was really glad that his personality started to unfold really quickly. But my gosh, he just left me dumbfounded. You know, I was 38 when I met him and he was 42. I thought dating at our age and him being just a few years older than me, it shouldn't be difficult. We already know what our non-negotiables are. We have dated before. It should be fairly easy. And I was wrong. You know, very quickly, I started noticing his insecurity. And whenever he felt insecure or he felt them surfacing, he would try to take it out on me. And he would say really, really vile and mean things. Maybe in a future episode, I can discuss that. He would say things that were so upsetting that would make me question myself. He just really wanted, at some point I realized, to break down my confidence. An example of when he would try to break me down. He would oftentimes point out my age to me. I met him when I was 38 and he was 42. Whenever he was upset, which seemed to be more often than not, he would blatantly point out to me, You know, you've mentioned to me you want to have children, yet you are about to be knocking on 40. You should be happy that you're with a man who doesn't have any baggage. I don't have any children. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm financially stable. And I'm in the top 10% of men in America. My jaw just dropped when I heard that. And I thought, wow, this guy thinks so highly of himself. He would then proceed to say, You know, I can get any woman 
that I want, who is much younger and have a child be born in the next nine months, you are not so lucky because I can always date younger, can you? And he said, the men that you meet at my age are all going to have baggage with kids. And when he said this one too many times, I was so fed up and I would say to him, great, why are you with me? Please go and date these younger women. If you think you can have a child by tomorrow, please, by all means, we are not in a clearly defined relationship. Go on. You are free. We're just dating. But (laughs) clearly, he never left. But he would continue to say these things and really expand and get meaner on this particular topic. Another example of when he would make me question what I believed in is he knew that I was, you know, I'm hopelessly in in love with my family. Yes, we fight. We, you know, all relationships go through ebbs and flows, but they have always been there for me and vice versa. It's this unconditional love and bond that flows between us. So I was trying to show him some aspects of that. And he would say, no, I don't believe it. This cannot be real. And I would actually feel bad and pity him because I thought, oh my gosh, he's really missing out. He hasn't experienced unconditional love. I'm just trying to show him a glimpse of it. But he is turning it around and making me question and I'll question my love for my family and our sincerity towards each other to the extent of even calling my brothers who wore colors other than gray, blue and white to be on the more feminine spectrum because real men don't wear colors other than blue, gray and white. And I was just flabbergasted. I just couldn't understand how and where he was drawing these conclusions from. And I, you know, I thought, my gosh, this guy is so insecure. How can somebody his age be so nasty? And where do these thoughts even creep into his head? I mean, I've been in relationships before. And, you know, when you get angry or you're in an argument, sometimes you say unpleasant words. But I have never in my entire life been subjected to the behavior that I was witnessing before my eyes from a very grown man. And I was completely bewildered. You know, he was purposely gaslighting me, shattering my self-confidence and my self-esteem just to make himself feel better. And I just thought this is so unhealthy and his ego is so overinflated. It would be a lie to say that when he was speaking to me in this manner, I wasn't immune to it. I was affected by it. And there were times when he did get me to question myself. And I remember there came a point when I had had enough of this nonsense and started to defend myself against the verbal diarrhea that was coming out of his mouth. He would go into victim mode and say, I was a man basher for defending myself. And I remember the day that he called me a man basher. I 
outrightly just laughed in his face because I couldn't believe the audacity of him trying to make me feel bad by using really strong, actionable words, thinking that it would still have an impact on me. I will say I must applaud him for his tactics, but I don't think he fully understood that I may have had my moments of weakness and questioned myself in those moments of weakness, but I have a very strong willpower. And with me, you can momentarily dim my lights, but you can't extinguish the flame. And instead, when I had enough, what he did for me was he allowed me to dig deeper within myself and slowly but surely strengthen my resolve and belief in me. And my wake-up call came also more from what I was, you know, given my exit date from work and having to put up with this behavior from a guy that I was dating. I thought this is a good time as any to assess and be removed from things that are not serving me anymore. So work was done. Dating relationship, unhealthy. Time to move on from both. Now, given his behavior, it should have been easy for me to move on, especially if it was after just a few months of dating. But it was hard. And it was harder because now I recognize that I was vibrating on a low energy field, meaning I was spent emotionally, physically, mentally, nutritionally, I was weak as well. I wasn't having my meals on time, given the work pressure. There was no balance in my life. And this is why I attracted someone like him. When you are not at your optimum self, sometimes end up attracting people who are so far from what you would tend to go for, who vibrate at a lower frequency. They are unhealthy for you, but here's the kicker. They're also great teachers. And he did teach me. He taught me that I didn't come this far to come this far. I was on the cusp of turning 39, and this was the last year of my 30s. I could either enter the last year of my 30s completely delusional, thinking that this man would stop having these outbursts, or I could call it a day and step into embracing the last year of my 30s wholly and fully. So that's what I did. Once I was done with work and knowing I didn't have any other plans, I booked impromptu tickets to Italy, planned my trip out within two weeks, and took off. Before I embarked on this trip, there was a lot of fear, confusion, anger, trepidation. And I really had to tell myself, this life is so precious and there's so many people who love me unconditionally and whatever happens, it will be okay. As excited as I was to go to Italy, I was also sad. I was initially supposed to go to Italy in 2020, but as we all know, COVID happened. And then I thought, okay, if I couldn't go with my mom, 
the next time, since I couldn't go with my mom, I thought if I do go to Italy, it would be with a significant other. But here I was going by myself. And while I was sad getting there, the moment my feet hit the ground in Italy, all of the fears, the emotions, everything that was weighing me down just simply vanished. And there I stood just feeling so free and I allowed myself to take in the deepest and most freeing breath I think I had of 2022 (laughs) when I arrived in Italy and then I was off on my adventure. People have mixed feelings about celebrating birthdays, but I love my birthday. I used to celebrate it for an entire month in my 20s. We shaved off a week when I got to my 30s. And it's still about a two and a half week celebration with my loved ones. Last year, I happened to be by myself and I was so okay with it because there was already so much love pouring in from my loved ones that they didn't have to be physically present for me. Since I was in Italy, I treated myself to a fancy restaurant. And surprisingly, I wasn't sad at all. There was not an iota of sadness. Instead, I was just so at peace and just so blissfully happy to be present, to enjoy every single meal that came out, to savor it to chat with the owner and all the other patrons that had come to dine. It was just an amazing experience. However, the most touching and memorable part of that evening was when the dessert was brought out. I took one bite and I was immediately transported back to my childhood. Now, I don't know if you have ever eaten something that has evoked a sweet and sharp memory of old times, this is exactly what I experienced. At that first bite, I was immediately back in Fiji, in my Nana's playground. And I think I must have been about eight or nine. I see my Nana just standing there and with a smile on his face, you know, looking out to the town as he usually did. And I just sat there with tears streaming down my face, just extremely grateful that a piece of food made with so much love could carry me to a place in time that also had such sweet memories. You cannot put a price on these sort of experiences. When the evening was done, I got to engage with the staff more. I personally thanked the chef. And when I walked out of that restaurant, I felt so light that I felt like I was floating. I was in such awe of my life and extremely grateful at the blessing that I was receiving. I felt so light. And just simply in awe of my life, utterly grateful at being able to explore and enjoy this thing 
we call life. I simply felt alive. And the rest of the trip, so many things unfolded. Nothing bad, but there were so many small and beautiful encounters with strangers that will forever be etched in my memory. Those moments, every time I think of them, they just make me smile from ear to ear. When I returned home from Italy, it was time for me to refocus, get back to proactively hunting for a new job. But within five to six weeks, I had the opportunity to travel and reunite with my family that I haven't seen since since 2020. Every year for the past 15 years, once a year, if not twice, I go to Australia to visit my grandmother. She is one of the most important people in my life. And it was absolutely killing me that I hadn't seen her physically due to the shutdown. So when I found out that I would be able to make this trip and hug her and all my munchkins, have it also be a big family reunion, I was overjoyed. I make this trip, fill my heart up and come back home. And it's the holiday season. You know, I was still very much actively job hunting. Even when I was in Australia, I was having phone screens and interviews. We worked out the timing differences. The job market, unfortunately, given that it was the holidays, slowed down. And I thought that's not a problem. We'll go through the holidays and I will resume in full gusto after the first week of January when everybody returns to the office. The rest of the holiday season was great. And before you know it, it was New Year's Eve. California was having the worst winter storm last year. And on New Year's Eve, I was awaiting a phone call. And it must have been around 10.45, 11 p.m. on New Year's Eve when I finally received the call. And though the call was brief, what was conveyed to me left me absolutely broken. I remember when I got off the call, I didn't move. I just sat there in shock. And then the tears came. And then the sobs. And the uncontrollable crying. You know, the crying where no matter how hard you try, it just won't stop. And in that state, I called my mom, who was in Florida and had just brought in the New Year's herself. I can't even imagine what my mom must have felt when she gets her call from her daughter. It's now half an hour before New Year's Eve, my time. She's just brought in her New Year. And the first thing she hears when she answers the phone is me sobbing uncontrollably, unable to get a word out clearly because I'm crying so hard. I must have paused here and there to tell her what the phone call had been about. I explained everything to her and my mom. She's my hero, by the way. The only thing she said to me was, stop crying. There is a solution for everything. 
I will find a way. Oh gosh, <laughs> I'm getting emotional just thinking about it now. And I cried myself to sleep that night. And in that state, I called my mom who was in Florida and had just brought in the New Year's herself. I can't even imagine what my mom must have felt when she gets her call from her daughter. It's now half an hour before New Year's Eve, my time. She's just brought in her New Year. And the first thing she hears when she answers the phone is me sobbing uncontrollably, unable to get a word out clearly because I'm crying so hard. I must have paused here and there to tell her what the phone call had been about. I explained everything to her and my mom. She's my hero, by the way. The only thing she said to me was, stop crying. Oh gosh. <laughs> I'm getting emotional just thinking about it now. And I cried myself to sleep that night. I was in a melancholy mood for the next few days into the new year. And it must have been the third or fourth day when I snapped out of it. Something told me and also my mom's voice was playing in my ear. Wait a second. We're not given problems without solution. I knew I was being tested. And the moment this realization hit me, I went to my altar and I said, Okay, God, I put my faith in you and I'm ready to go through any test. I surrender because I know that you have my best interests at heart. And I kid you not, once I surrendered, Things started happening for me, not to me, for me. And they didn't happen overnight. But I sit here in just pure amazement as to how quickly it seems to have unfolded. It was the end of January. I'm getting excited to receive our tax refunds because I'm still unemployed and I'm really looking forward to getting some financial relief. And I wanted a change from my environments. I remember telling my mom, I need a change of environment. So I'm going to look for some deals and we'll go for a brief three, four day outing somewhere. I remember I had seen the deals for Northern Lights. So I told my mom, I said, mom, I don't know. It must have been Travel Zoo or something offering some deal. And I said, there's a really good deal. Let's go. So I'm trying to convince her. And I, in trying to convince her about the deal, I'm also selling her on the fact that, oh my gosh, look, they're going to have winter clearance. We're going to have these warm clothes and not having to pay full price. So I'm hyping myself up and my mom up, but I didn't know that in the background, she was also actively trying to find a solution to my problem. And remember when I said you surrender? Once you surrender, your plans are not yours anymore. Out of nowhere, my mom calls me and tells me, get ready, we're going to India for a pilgrimage. When she told me, I said, excuse me, did I hear you right? Did you say we're going to India? I was shocked. And I said, no, mom, remember, we're trying to go to the Northern Lights. She said, no, we're going to India. You don't have a choice. 
get ready. I understood why we had to travel and that too at our earliest. But I was also all the more shocked since the last time I had been to India was 11 years ago. And in our culture, it is believed that unless you are called as in by a higher power, by God, I, I believe in God, there are certain pilgrimages you can't make until you get that calling. After 11 years, my calling had come. And so I thought, there has to be a reason. Let's go. The India trip was amazing. It was very much on the go, but it was a great trip. And we accomplished a lot. After three weeks of being in India, we finally made it home. And I must have been home for about three to four weeks before I received some unpleasant news. There was a loss in my family, this time my dad's mom, and I had to travel again. My mom and sister couldn't go. Since my mom had just returned from India, she couldn't make a long haul journey this quickly as her health wasn't the best and my sister just couldn't travel. She didn't have the time off of work. And being the eldest grandchild of her late oldest son, I had to go and fulfill my obligation. And within 36 hours of receiving the news, I was on a flight to Australia once again, but this time under very different circumstances. Though the circumstances were difficult, there were so many fulfilling moments that also happened in this trip. I once again got to spend more time with my granny, who is, as I like to say, 94 years young. Once the funeral takes place in our culture, we also have 13 days of prayers. I didn't have to be present for the entire 13 days. It would be looked upon fondly if I made it the entire 13 days. During the time that I was there, I realized my nephew is turning 21. So when I was in Australia last year for the family reunion, I found out that my nephew was going to, going to be turning 21 in May. And I remember very clearly all my cousins and his dad and mom were there as well. I said, baby, when you start planning your 21st birthday party, let Mosi know. Mosi means aunt. And I will try to make it to your birthday because I have seen you grow up before my eyes just grow up into such a fine young man that I'm so proud to call my nephew. And because it was a wish that came from the core of my being, it is still, I sit here and wonder how the universe conspired in my favor to make it so that I would be there present in the country and I could take a couple of days out to go be with my nephew. The minute I figured out when his birthday was and that I could excuse myself from the prayers, within three to four days, I had a flight booked, had cake ordered at a surprise plan for him and my sister because no one ever surprises her and she does so much for everybody else. And we pulled off the most amazing surprise and 
I'm just so happy that we were able to create that moment and celebrate his birthday in a manner that has become such a core memory for all of us. You know, I came back home and again, I was plagued with the stress of getting back to job hunting. The market is not doing well now. We are at the tail end of May looking into June and it's just not looking well. And we all know how the market has been since last year. And I didn't even think when 2023 started because it didn't start on the right foot for me much less than two months ago that I would be sitting here today recording my first podcast. What a year it has been. Of course, there are certain things that I would have liked to accomplish, but I realized the more I relinquish control of trying to have certain outcomes and just be in the flow of things, the more life has given me. Everything that has happened since I left my job last year has been unexpected and unplanned. If there was any planning, it has been spur of the moment and no more than two to three weeks in advance. And now as I sit here today, the upcoming weeks, there is so much more for me to celebrate. I get to travel and go on a all girls trip, which I haven't done in a while. I've always traveled with one other person in recent years, but not with a group of four girls. So that will be interesting. And I get to celebrate my 40th birthday. As 2022 was drawing to a close and I was drawing off my vision board, one of the things that I laid out on there was this big elaborate celebration for my 40th birthday filled with all this fanfare and a big fancy trip somewhere. The funny thing is, none of that is happening. And I couldn't even be bothered to do any of the things that I just mentioned. For some reason, there's this feeling in the pit of my stomach that whatever I'm meant to do and wherever I am, Whoever I'm with, it is all going to work out the way it's supposed to. It may be hard to understand. And if you get it, that's great. It's hard to explain, but I am literally seeing it come together in front of my eyes in the most unexpected way. And as my birthday is inching closer and closer, I notice that life is bringing me back to my roots and creating so many full circle moments. It is still going to be a celebration, not the fanfare that I wanted, but on a much smaller scale, individually, close family. And it's going to be with the people who have always filled my heart with so much joy. The people who have been a part of my journey, a part of all my ups and downs. And this is an opportunity for me to sit in their company and relish in how far we all have come and how we have all evolved as individuals. Now, in addition to my birthday, this is the other thing I'm really, really excited about. I get to be physically present for Rocky this year. Rocky, if you don't know, is also known as Raksha Bandhan and it's a significant and I would say, yeah, a heartwarming Indian festival 
that celebrates the bond of love and protection between brothers and sisters. The term Rocky refers to a sacred thread or a bracelet that a sister ties around her brother's wrist as a symbol of their strong and enduring relationship. I have been celebrating this festival as long as I can remember. And every year I make Indian sweets from scratch. And along with my Rockies, I will overnight it to my cousins as they don't live in the same state as I do. If it so happens, even when I'm not in the country that year, before I leave, my package is always delivered to my family's house for this occasion. Do I have to do it? No. But I celebrate this festival because love can't always be verbally expressed. My Rocky package contains my well wishes and prayers for my brother's success and their well-being. It is captured in the Rocky that I meticulously select for each one of them and the love that I pour into the sweets that I make. And seeing how universe once again is working in my favor for me to be it so that I am physically present during a festival that is so important to me at a pivotal time in my life, I am just again in awe. As I get ready to step into this new decade of my life, I am looking forward to filling up the blank pages. If I look back at my life thus far, it has been difficult. There have been more downs than ups. And there were days, especially when my dad passed away, that I, we didn't think that we could find the inner strength to move on. But we did. And it could have been worse. So I'm grateful to stand here and be before all of you. I was born in Fiji, a tiny island in the Pacific Ocean, and look at where life has taken me. I didn't give up when life was hard. And because I have persevered, I have all the more reason to celebrate my life and journey till date and to get ready for what's to come. I do not know what the next chapter looks like, but if this past year is any indication that I am so ready, I want to thank all of you for joining me on my inaugural episode. I can't wait to see how this journey unfolds, but what I do know is I will grow and learn so much from this. I get to take on this journey of growth on a much larger scale with all of you. And as scary as it is, I am willing to embrace it. And I hope you all will tune in to support me by subscribing to my podcast. I also invite you to embrace the wisdom that you have gained from your own experiences and to relish the art of celebrating the smallest of victories. Till next time, thank you 